0: Sue shortly is going to come and speak to us, but just before she does, we're going to read from Acts chapter 11. It should also appear on the screen behind me. So Acts chapter 11, verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Can I just pray for you before you speak? (laughs) Yes, Lord, I thank you for Sue. I thank you for everything that you've laid on her heart today for us. And I just really pray that as she speaks now, she will just be able to recall those things that you have for us. And I also pray that you will open our eyes our ears and our hearts to receive from you this morning amen
1: thanks ellen so good morning everyone as ellen has said my name is sue i'm part of the leadership team and it's my privilege to speak to you today in our series lessons from antioch over the last few weeks we've heard all about how the church is made of gathered people It's made of ordinary people. It's made of suffering people. And today I am speaking on grace-filled people. And we've already seen that in that fantastic um, video about Emma and God's work in her life. That was so good. I'm focusing on just one verse from the passage that Ellen has read to us, verse 23. And it speaks about Barnabas and it says, "'When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, "'he was glad and encouraged them all "'to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts.'" We read in the book of Acts how the Holy Spirit was poured out on the early church on the day of Pentecost. Two things then happened. First of all, the church saw incredible growth, but it also saw incredible persecution. It wasn't that people were simply mocked for believing in Jesus and putting their trust in him, but they experienced huge suffering and hardship, even for some to the point of death. The Christians then had to flee, many of them, from where they actually lived, literally for their lives, as sadly, many Christians today, right around the globe, have to, do, have to do so as terrible atrocities are happening for those who refuse to deny their faith or the truth of the gospel. Some of these early believers arrived in Antioch and the gospel was shared not only with the Jews, but also with the, with the local Greeks. Even though Jesus had shared the good news that the kingdom of God extended beyond the Jewish people, it was still quite radical that salvation could happen without obedience to all the Jewish law and its customs. So word that this was happening went back to the original church in Jerusalem and the leaders there sent Barnabas to Antioch to see what was happening. He arrived, and in verse 23, as I read, we're told he saw what the grace of God had done. So today, I'm going to explore what this meant by exploring three points, that we are called by grace, were kept by grace, and we are commissioned by grace. So first of all, called by grace— Romans 3 verse 22 and 24 says there is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. The truth today is that everyone, whether Jew or Gentile, that is every single person on this planet, has done wrong, has sinned. We like to think that there's some people that are really bad. Some people get locked up for the bad things that they do. In some countries, they're killed for the bad things they do. But then there's the rest of us who on the whole try and behave, keep the rules, pay our bills, and just about stick to the speed limit. That's how we like to view society. But what this verse and what lots of other verses in the Bible tells us is that we've all sinned, we've all done wrong, and more importantly, we have all fallen short of God's standard because his standard is absolute perfection. Perfection. None of us can reach it. We've all said things that aren't perfect. We've all thought things that are far from perfect. And none of us have followed the perfect example that Jesus gives us of forgiveness, of patience, and kindness, and humility. In Psalm 51, David, when praying, says, For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Our wrongs are against God. Our wrongs cut across our relationship with our holy God. None of us can change that fact. But as Romans 3 says, we are all justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We are redeemed. We're brought back into relationship with God, restored to him because Jesus died on the cross, taking upon himself the punishment for our wrongs. We are justified. That means it's just as if we have never done wrong. Romans 5 verse 1 and 2 says therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by by faith into this grace in which we now stand. God saves us because of his grace. His love, his mercy, his kindness, his compassion, his care, his favor, his undeserved goodness. There's no one word that can actually describe this grace because it is so vast, it's so incredible. It is so far beyond our human understanding. Further on in this chapter, it talks of God's abundant grace. It's not just a little bit that he shares out between us. It's an abundance, it overflows, and it keeps on overflowing. Ephesians 2 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, and not by works, so that no one can boast. We are saved through God's amazing gift to every single one of us we don't deserve any of it. And we need to grasp this, that it is a gift because it affects how we see others. It affects how we respond to others. It affects how we speak to others. And it affected what was happening in the church in Antioch. The believers realized that their salvation was a gift from God. It wasn't dependent on external circumstances or culture or background. It wasn't based on the Jewish law or circumcision or how they washed or what they ate. Salvation was given them freely by God. And this incredible gift was available to all of those in Antioch. So we read in Acts eleven twenty one, 21, a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Do you believe today that salvation really is freely given by God's grace? That it's a gift that none of us deserve? Or do you still deep down expect people to turn up, stand up, tidy up, sign up, do all the right things before we acknowledge that they're really a Christian. We should be people who rejoice that God is showing the same incredible kindness to every single person that walks through the doors of Jubilee as he did to us who were already Christians and give thanks that he is transforming lives, not just Emma's life, but God is transforming life after life after life by his amazing gift to us. Yeah, the Bible tells us that as we grow in faith, we should be bearing fruit of the Spirit. We should be showing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control in our lives. But it's the Holy Spirit that changes people's lives, that heals wounds, that causes people to so fall in love with Jesus that they want to change. They want to be like him. They want to be pleasing to him, not fulfilling the expectations of other people. Yeah, we all need to grow in our faith. That's why we have life groups. That's why we talk about discipleship. We encourage people into discipleship relationships. But we need to remember that salvation is a grace gift from our loving Heavenly Father and not something we work for or earn by how we behave. So number two, we are kept by grace. Titus 2 says, For the gift of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. We are called by grace, but that isn't the only purpose of grace. We need God's grace every single day. We cannot live our Christian lives by our own efforts. We're instructed in 1 Peter 1, be holy, just as God who called you is holy, be holy in all that you do. And in Philippians 2, we're told to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, the one who was totally selfless and humble. I can't do that. I can't even get near to that. Unholiness creeps in. I want my way. I get offended. I criticize others. I struggle with pride. I'm not holy. Our Western society repeatedly tells us the lie that our worth is based on our achievements, on our success, on our position, on our bank balance, on the latest peer experience of events that we put on our social media. But grace cuts across every bit of that. The grace of God teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly, godly lives In this present age. We're not just saved by grace, we are kept by grace, and we need that grace in our homes, in our friendships, in our workplaces, and in the church. In Romans 12, when speaking about the church, Paul says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragements. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. God gives gifts, and he gives us the grace to use them. Why? Why? So we don't get arrogant and boastful and proud. Spiritual gifts are not badges showing our level of holiness or how long we've been Christians. Spiritual gifts are gifts. They're things that have been given to us by our Heavenly Father. Not that we've earned, but they're given so that we can bless and serve the church. Last week, we were short of Explorer team members, as lots of people were ill. I had to figure out what to do. Did I ask parents to stay in Explorers? Did I ask people who weren't on the rotor to go out again? It's one of the things I don't really like having to do because people rarely say to me, yes, Sue, I'd love to go out again in Explorers. I'd love to miss the worship. I'd love to miss the preach. So I was mentally going through all the team of people that serve in Explorers. And then I saw Katie. She wasn't on the Explorers rotor that week. She wasn't on the worship rotor. She stood there looking really relaxed, and I thought, got got to do it. So I went over to her, I explained the situation, and asked if she could possibly, would she mind, I was really sorry. And you know, her fate lit up. She said, of course, she'd love to go out. In fact... She hadn't been expecting to be in church last week, um, but because of family sickness, she was able to be with us. So of course, she'd happily go out. That verse I read, it said, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If it is serving, then serve. Katie was serving with grace. Thank you. I believe this servant-hearted attitude, this overflow of grace, was seen by Barnabas in Antioch. Cultural barriers were being overcome. The grace of God um, was doing amazing things. There was unity. There was a willingness to listen to godly teaching. There was kindness in the face of need. Last week, a family in our church had their house broken into while they slept. The thieves took the car keys and the car. It was a terrible situation. But what happened next was a Christian couple who had two cars contacted them and said, you can borrow one of our cars until either your car is found or till the insurance is sorted out. Absolutely incredible. But then as I thought about it, What blew my mind was that couple that was lending a car knew their car was going to be parked in exactly the place where the other car had been nicked. And no offense, but the car that was being lent was worth quite a bit more than the car that had been nicked. That passage again, Romans 12, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. That couple were showing God's grace and mercy. As we see God's grace, as we grasp something of the fact that our Christian life, our salvation, our eternity is absolutely nothing to do with our own efforts, that should impact every area of our lives. Our attitudes, our values, it will affect what we do with our money. It will affect what we do with our time. It will affect our attitude when we're asked to do something that might inconvenience us whether that's in the church, or in our families, or in the workplace. If we grasp something of God's undeserved kindness and mercy and love to us, we will be moved with compassion, and we will take action When we see the broken, when we see a need, when we see the lonely, when we see the person who's being mistreated, and God's grace in turn will guide and equip us in how to meet that need. So my third point, we're commissioned by grace. In John 21, we have the story of Simon Peter and some of the disciples shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection. For three years, these disciples had left everything to follow Jesus. It had been a time of huge change, a time of much learning, but also a time of great excitement as they witnessed Jesus' miracles, as they heard his teaching and saw the power of the kingdom of God breaking into people's lives. But now, Jesus was gone. Yes, he'd appeared to them once after his resurrection, but his daily presence with them was over. His friendship was finished. So what did the disciples do? They went back to their own, own, old habits, probably hoping that would help their pay. They went out to fish but even that was a failure. They caught nothing. And then someone on the shore called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? When they replied, no, he told them to take their net and drop it over the right side of the boat. And as they did so, the net was filled to overflowing with fish. Simon Peter and another disciple realized that the man on the shore was Jesus. They leapt into the water and rushed over to quickly get to him. When they reached the shore, Jesus had already lit a fire and he was cooking a breakfast of bread and fish for them. Only a short time before, Simon Peter had cut off the ear of the high priest's servant when Jesus was arrested. That was serious GBH. He then continued over the next few days to repeatedly lie about Jesus. The other disciples might not have been that violent, but they had let Jesus down, falling asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus desperately needed them in his hour of need before the cross. But here on the shore of Lake Galilee, we see Jesus demonstrating his overflowing grace. He had compassion on the disciples in their grief and confusion. He showed kindness by providing that miraculous catch of fish and a warm breakfast. He welcomed them and loved them and had mercy and showed that he had forgiven them. He met them where they were at. It's only after Jesus had shown this grace that he told Simon Peter what he wanted him to do next. This man of violence, of lies, of weakness was shown grace. He wasn't publicly corrected or shamed. He was encouraged. Then on the day of Pentecost, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he was equipped to lead the church. Each one of us can be like Simon Peter. We get things wrong, we let people down. Sometimes we can be economical with the truth. But like him, we can receive the abundance of God's grace so that when he calls us and forgives us and asks us to go again and serve him, we are ready. The church in Antioch was being built by people who'd been scattered by persecution. They were refugees, displaced from their own cities and countries because of their faith. They probably fled with very little, just the clothes on their backs and a few belongings. Some of them would have lost friends and family. They faced incredible uncertainty. They were living with loss. And trauma yet as they saw somewhere safe to rebuild their lives God through his grace was using them do you know trauma loss pain it doesn't cut us out of God's grace and it doesn't cut us out of God's plans and purposes for for our lives Jesus through his grace and mercy, built the early church through Simon Peter. The church in Antioch was built through broken people who experienced God's grace and strength in their difficulties. And that is how this church in our city will be built, by God using people who know they have received mercy and give out mercy to others. Through People who know they have experienced God's kindness and give out God's kindness to others. People who know they have been forgiven and extend that forgiveness to others. People who know they have been welcomed in to the family of God and extend that same welcome to others. Justin Benj in his book, The Loveliest Place, is talking about the church and he says, the church becomes an instrument of Christ's beaming radiance in the world through the individual expressions of the work of grace by the Spirit in the lives of believers. I'll say that again. The church becomes an instrument of Christ's beaming radiance in the world through the individual expressions of the work of grace by the Spirit in the lives of believers. We don't know exactly what Barnabas saw when he arrived in Antioch, but I think it might have been something of Christ's beaming radiance in the lives of the believers. There was an attractiveness that drew people to God. Jubilee Church, Uslot, We are known in this city. We are known for our amazing building. We're known for our food bank. We're known for our showers and clothes stores. We're known for our incredible buffet lunches. But we are known for Life College. But my prayer is that we wouldn't simply be known for what we do in this city, but that we would reflect that beaming radiance of Christ in this city, and we would be known for the grace that that shows. It is only by grace that the thousands of people in Hull who do not yet know Jesus can ever be saved. So like the believers in Antioch, let each of us remain true to our faith, true to our God, and show God's grace in this church, in our families, in our relationships, and in this city.